What's good, Internet? And welcome to session 55 of Super GG Radio. Your friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. I'm your pointiest and clickiest host with the most, Alex Arona. With me as always, and back from the Thunderdome, Joel DeWitt. Joel, two men enter. And you happen to leave? Don't you take any pot shots at me or I'll end you. You're supposed to no, savage I'm not, roar. I'm not roaring. I am not roaring. <laughs> you can't make me. Don't you dare. Fine. At least I can pick on one other host, Eric Getty Gettinger. The 90s called, and want their cargo pants back. Got it. Taking off my pants now. No! <laughs> we have a guest this week, you animals. Please help me welcome the man, the myth, Chicago's own, Big Deal Blake. Hey, Blake. And Hello, and I also am not wearing pants. Oh, God, no. This is all anarchy. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, we it's pretty much the rule to Winnie the Pooh at so, oh, yeah, good company. Uh, well, who doesn't love Winnie? And so now, see, now everyone's just seeing how the sausage is made. You know, we're all just not wearing pants. Got it. Hey, man, you know we got uh, Corona going on right now, so work from home, and you know you don't have to wear pants when you work from home or game when you're, you know, with, uh, you don't need pants to game, so why not? Fact. Complete fact. We will talk a little bit more about your show further, but from for right now, let's get moving into this week's content. We have some Joel games in the backlog. Aimlessly click around in early adopters, and while the news continues to evade my phone calls, we'll take a dip into our guest segment with some weekday drinking. But first, early adopters, where we play alphas, betas, and games that look fun, but end up having tough puzzles. I, that's on me. I struggled entirely with this one. (laughs) So the first game I want to talk about is called Russell. Russell, R-U-S-T-L-E, a... A very artistic way of taking a, a, an, ad, uh, an adventure game where you're clicking and moving across the map and getting an inventory and searching the environment. But it's a pop-up book. It's a very happy-looking pop-up book. And I could not figure it out. Getty, what did you think of it? I had no problem figuring it out. Yes, I know. <laughs> I feel like I actually probably made it through fairly quickly. It's a point-and-click adventure. Uh, but as Alex mentioned, the art style is is very uh, cute. It, the environment actually has you moving around and trying to find ways to progress by clicking through the book. So if you go up to a door, you can actually go through the door, and then it like the game will fold over. So the screen will move on to a different area, and it, it can also affect the the time of day. Yep, so when you go through a door, all of a sudden it'll fold over and now you're inside the house, but then when you go out the door, it'll fold back down, so it goes back and forth. And I think we've mentioned, we've said the word is Richard Scary quite often in this, but I'm just going to say Richard Scary looking. <laughs> uh, Blake, you you saw some of this, uh, some of the footage for this game. What did you think about it? Yeah, I think it had a very uh, beautiful art direction and tone to it. You could see that everything was really connected. They didn't feel anything really felt out of place from the furniture to the environment to the characters. All felt like they were actually a part of this digital pop-up book. Um, my initial response is after watching the interaction and how the flow is, I feel like this would be a really fun game if you had you know a father-son sort of thing, like a like a... The first thing I thought of was this old, old PC game. I'm totally dating myself on this, but um, <laughs> Treasure Mountain. It's like this like 
learning game, interaction game, and I don't. I feel it's. Oh yeah, I remember that. My cousin had that. Game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was always, I was always a little envious when we went to their house too, because it was always one of those like cousins who would be hoarding the game, but be like, oh, you can watch. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and you know, it had like math in it because you know math is power. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, I felt it had. It was kind of like a learn as you go, and I could see. I feel like it's like a bonding game is though my first impression of this, but it's, it seemed harmless. It seemed fun. Um, and I, I, I have some technical things, but, uh, overall it was, it seemed simple and, and innocent. Yeah. I, I just, for some reason I could not find the points of interaction. And while I, I could see a father son game and that would be, it'd be very heartfelt to explore and have your child explore the world and to kind of follow along. And, to, to have this story that looked, again, well-crafted, especially with the way the pop-up book... It doesn't look like it's fabricated. It looks like every piece fits perfectly the way it's supposed to fold. So it doesn't... It looks completely like realistic as a pop-up book. And that, and that effect, when you go into a building and out, like that, that page flip effect is phenomenal. It looks incredible how it just... Everything kind of just the gravity of the room just falls down and how everything pops up. It's incredible. Yeah, it has a really nice snap to it. Yeah. So uh, you'll, you'll take the mouse and you'll click and drag down at the right spot and that'll sort of just flip forward, just like a page on a book. <laughs> and and uh, you do the same to go up and just that, that kind of snappiness to it, it really is a satisfying effect because it, it all does sort of cascade down from the top or from the bottom depending on how you're switching it up it, it is a really charming visual style and uh richard scary i'm not i'm not sure i quite agree with that specifically but it it is definitely children's storybook the characters in it are are very uh colorfully drawn and expressive uh, the there's a nice layering effect going on with the backdrops even when you're not switching it around from inside to outside and like the only gripe i have about when i played it was that i don't find the movement all that precise yes because all all of it is using your mouse to click for a point to be the waypoint for your character to move to next and often enough i would find myself having to click two three four times to get it to acknowledge that I was trying to go to a spot. And, and part of that might be just because it is a beta. It's a tech demo. It's not a robust full game, but that would be like my one drive. I could totally see it working better. Maybe either working on that precision or allowing the use of uh, the arrow buttons or WASD. Uh, e- either that or uh, the other thing too, is that for certain things, like when you're trying to go inside the building, or even some spots where you had to pull the space down or up and do that flipping effect. I found it not quite so clear when you could or could not do that. And I don't know how you go making that more obvious without sort of breaking the puzzle. Because I think that's sort of just part of it is trying to figure out where where you get past that. But I, I wonder if there'd be a way to sort of find a middle ground between what it is now and making it too blatantly obvious. I think it could have used more of a tutorial, but again, this game is still very early into its creation. Right. So that, that's kind of why I was saying is that I had problems with it, but I don't want to down. I don't. I, I don't want to focus on that as much. But one thing I thought of were either 
slight highlights on points of articulation. The thing is, though, is that it's so much detail. Like, looking through it again, I'm, I'm looking at some shots now, and there's just so much that could easily be interactable, and it's not, because just everything is rendered so well. So it becomes hard for me to, like, pick where I, where where to click next and what actually is clickable. So maybe a slight highlight, something to that effect that would just give me some sort of indication like, okay, I can click on this, but it doesn't really do anything. But this part is what I need to solve the puzzle. Right. So that was Russell. The next game was actually brought to us by Getty. Getty. Was? Yeah, you found a space. You, you're the one who chose a space for the unbound. Oh, I, I picked it, but you put it on the list, man. Oh, that list... I have like a four-page list of betas, <laughs> and I just pick randomly sometimes. Get you it. are the curator. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, to be fair, again, that list could be seven to eight pages of betas that are not always amazing. But this one... Well, I will I mean, I'll still play just as many, no matter how many you accumulate. Yeah, that's Which true. is zero? <laughs> oh. <laughs> two, two and a half? Two and a half. I'll take it. Getty, what drew you to A Space for the Unbound, or was it a random selection? It was kind of a random selection, so uh, look behind the curtain. Alex has this long list of betas that he'd like us to play, and uh, I I think just from looking through it, uh, the short description that he had written seemed a little bit more interesting to me than some of the other things. This, again, is a a point-and-click, but it's more of your high school kids, kind of more realistic in in a way. Uh, You... uh, take on the role of uh, an older boy, older high school boy, and uh, he's hanging out with this girl. They're just kind of doing regular stuff, but there's a like a weird element to it where there's a, a book that they use that allows them to go into a person's subconscious. So they're trying to go through and meet up. Uh, the the story's pretty innocuous. They, they just want to go and hang out, but... There's a couple of obstacles in the way that you have to try and overcome by navigating through the environment. It's all very beautiful in the sense that it's rural, I believe, Indonesia. Yes. It's like it's straight out of the 90s. So in the town, there's people that are just going about doing their regular thing. And one of the puzzles that you come across, you need to get access to a ladder to get into your friend's room to grab something for her. But you can't readily get the ladder because there's a guy standing there guarding it. So you use this red notebook to go into his subconscious and put him to sleep so that you can then collect the ladder. It has this really, I want to say, heartfelt story that it wants to tell, and it really teases it through the course of this beta. It, or it's it's like a prologue chapter to it, the game, and it gives you some backstory slightly with the the little girl is your friend, and she gets picked on a lot, and she has a lot of emotional issues, especially coming from what seems like a broken home, or at least in a, a, some sort of abuse there. So it kind of dips its a little, it dips its toe into a little bit, giving you just enough hints to understand that there's something going on there. It being a prologue, it just I'm sure there's going to be more there once the game is finally released. So, so this was my half, and I, <laughs> I, I think like the pixel art is gorgeous, just just nice big pixelated 
characters, lush backgrounds. That there are spots where even like the grass would be waving in the back as if it was trying to show like wind moving around in an open field and stuff. And so I really appreciate the visual attention to detail there. And also like this thing is very much your classic adventure game in that functionally you're walking up to people choosing to either talk with them or interacting with them using an item you found or like you said getty the the red book that sort of lets you delve into people's minds to try to uncover more clues or actions and sort of figuring out the right sequential order to interact with people and things to unlock the next stage of the game mm-hmm. now uh blake what you were you i think you're the most recent one right didn't you you played this today joel did you play end up playing you played this today or earlier I played the half of it today. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you both did. So you guys are coming to this fresh. I think I played this about a week ago. Uh, Blake, Blake, what did you what did you think with your time with it? Yeah, um, I think the, the what this screams out to me is a 16-bit Nino Kuni. It's um, the beautiful, beautiful art style. It feels like a very, very high-end, you know, SNES game, and it has some elements that really scream out from the Hayao Miyazaki series, like the dialogue is very positive, very uplifting. Yes. Um, it's very overly friendly. Um, and the fact that um, when it introduced this this magic red book, it introduced like this magic, this fantasy element into this real world. Um, this was really screaming out to um, having, not necessarily uh, a copy or, or anything like that, but just heavily getting inspiration from that that genre, um, even from using the Magic Red Book to infiltrate people's minds or their personalities and then help them sleep or help them awaken, whatever it may be. That was very similar to like the Nino Kuni is going into there, like there. If someone was grumpy, you would go into this dream world and solve some clues and some puzzles and then defeat maybe a monster and that was overcoming them. That being said, I think this, this game definitely has its own personality and it has... Uh, a lot of uh, direction that could go based off what it's teased and a very good prologue to show, to show like the, the story, but yes, exactly. Um, so I was very impressed with this very simple, but effective. And it definitely grew uh, more in that short period of time. I did play the, the characters, the couple characters they introduce you at the start are, are really endearing that the writing really makes them endearing. And, the the whole experience so far has a lot of charm. Right. I mean, it, it's it's when it's very whimsical in, in a kind of a weird way, while still being semi grounded in a kind of reality. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. I think that uh, this is going to have a big uh, story arc or a big character development in terms of relationship building, and they definitely teased uh, some outside sources of characters that will definitely affect the uh, two protagonists in the future, like the uh, father and uh, the mother of the, the daughter and going to school and not. So it, there's definitely a lot of um, breadcrumbs uh, put down. It, it reminds me a little bit of Indivisible with its having a, like a Southeast more influence on the art style and where they're coming from with their culture but also having this young girl protagonist who is going into people's lives and finding finding these just different these abilities going into people's uh, subconscious and finding these stories within that 
will tell you just a little bit about that character. It doesn't matter if the, you're just trying to find put somebody to or put somebody to sleep so you can use a ladder and solve an adventure game style puzzle, but it gives you a little bit of a view into their subconscious enough to make you feel like okay, I know a little bit more about that character, even if they were just a side background character. So, I I like that that idea of taking this real world and adding just a slight sci-fi element to make it really to t- to take it to that extra level of emotional nuance and space for the unbound is a, is a very interesting premise. I did have one little gripe with this. One yep. small gripe was the dialogue boxes. Um, you're having these this beautiful artwork, this beautiful flow, and these dialogue boxes would pop up right in the middle. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to see this world. I want to experience it. And people are walking in front of it, and it's moving along. I just, I think it would have been a much better choice if it was on a lower bar or on the side. Um, but right smack in the middle just really distracted me for, eh, not really, but did distract me at some points. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, they're talking about big black boxes with the scrawling text that looks like Super NES text and it, it, it does detract a little bit from the environment a little bit yeah funny enough these I think we did a really good job of putting this episode together that's just me excited for it because a lot of these ga- these two games and early adopters I see very similar traits in when we get to the backlog blog so uh, we will discuss that further uh, especially a certain gang of thieves going into people's self-consciousness but first let's navigate into the break Got it. Okay. Break time. optional achievement for choosing all the right dialogue prompts. Let's see if we can get into it this week. That, That's real sexy. I like that one. All right, we're here with the news. Not all the news, just the news that we feel like conversating on. First piece of news. Conversating is not a word I am aware. <laughs> Come on. Okay. All right, first piece of news. I just kind of wanted to bring up for our previous conversation, Black Mesa went 1.0. Uh, Blake, do you know what Black Mesa is? Uh, can't even pretend that. No, I haven't. I don't even have a witty comment for that right now. So, do you know what? Ha- you ever played Half Life? Oh yeah. See, I never did, but there was a group of people who were remaking Half Life One to look a little bit better. A little bit. They they were using originally Half Life 2's art and engine, but they've actually gone gone above that a little bit more. Uh, that's that's Black Mesa. Oh, I'm looking it up right now as you're telling me. Interesting. It's, it's actually been in the works for oh, forever, forever, and then everyone thought that it was going to get shut down by Valve, and it ended up the, Valve actually ended up funding them. And oh, them get out of here! Yeah, so it was actually a really nice turnaround. It started in twenty uh, in 2012. 2012, and it just went 1.0. <laughs> Eight Are you years. kidding me? Yeah, that's got to be that's like that beat dreams for crying out loud. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. and the problem is that I never played Half Life, and I think that's going to be a goal this year. But I've always been going back and forth because when I got I bought Black Mesa a long time ago, and it it, it said like oh it's unfinished, 
And I'm like, well, crap, I can't use this to play Half-Life because then I'm going to get to like two-thirds of the way through and not have an ending. But I, 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 I get hesitant about playing uh, really old first-person shooters because I feel like that's one of the few genres of games that don't age well over time yeah. and Half-Life I remember was just epic when it came out and I have never I haven't played it since it like got released so it's I, I guess kind of like I'm just fond of that memory and I'm afraid to go back to that <laughs> get it keeps telling me not to um, well yeah. like there, there's there are hallmark first person shooter games that sort of become the convention over time right and like Half-Life 2 it was the physics engine and, and how like you had the, the gravity done and we're doing puzzles related to like the, the physics in the game mm-hmm. you had stuff like Halo which sort of brought first person shooters into the fold as a game you can play with a controller and it feel good but slower and different and like now you've for a long time had like the Call of Duties which have been more Twitch based like high reflex shooters and mm-hmm. stuff. So in that sense, like I understand completely what you're saying, Blake, about like mm-hmm. we have iterated so far beyond some of these old PC first person shooters that I mean, frankly, Half Life One probably shares more DNA with something like the original Doom. Oh, that's very true. The yep. more current mm-hmm. stuff. Which I still I'm I'm again I've I've been trying to make this year a year where I go back and play series that I've never played. I you know, I played Dragon Quest One, I played Super Metroid, and I I think I'm going to go back to Halo One and I think I'm going to go back into Half Life One. And uh for a future thing, we are gonna be going back somewhere else as well. So that'll be for a future episode. Well if this is true about Black ah. Mesa that uh that's gonna be a remake of the first Half Life on then I'm all aboard on that. I'm hundred percent on board on that. Yeah, and then, and then again, now that it's complete, I at least have a way to play it that it looks at least a little bit better. Yeah. Now th- this was this started as, as a standalone mod. Is this something they're selling on Steam now? It, they've always sold it. It's really yeah. As far as I know, I, hmm. I again, I I swear I bought it. Um, yeah, he bought it. Mm-hmm. I, I bought it. can well, just, verify. Just because you paid money for it doesn't mean it's the verifiable article. <laughs> uh, it is currently. Hold on, we're checking his phone. Twenty bucks. <laughs> Twenty bucks. All right, all right. But I, again, I waited for a Steam sale. It was like five dollars. <laughs> okay. Next piece of news: E3 canceled. Sounds so enthusiastic about it. <laughs> oh, man, oh. I was gonna be sad trombone. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Perfect. I was gonna be really bummed that we couldn't go this year, and we still can't go. And I could care less. Oh, yeah, we weren't gonna. And go. now we'll never go. <laughs> yeah, this is Can the I, exact reason. I got a question for you three. That okay. uh, you know, guys, you have a, you've been doing this podcast for a while, and you know, I follow a lot of video game channels and listen to a lot of video game podcasts, but I, I want to hear from you three though, about E3, about why this has become just a sinking ship. Uh, and a lot of more people are backing out of it and it, it, it doesn't have this glamor that it used to have. Uh, I think, uh, Joel digs pretty deep into the industry stuff, uh, at least a little. So, bit so, I mean, let me preface this with, he's got a speech uh, prepared. Yep. Hold on. <laughs> get, get find my paper here. Get the notes. <laughs> Okay. Um, actually, I think the big thing, more than anything, is that as it's become something that has expanded beyond just like the industry types and the journalists, it's probably lost its luster by that virtue alone as it shifted towards something that they broadcast out to the general public. 
because I, I remember growing up and reading like EGM and, and different gaming magazines. And once the internet became more prevalent, the websites, uh, like part of the assignment was going to those pages during E3 and seeing what they were able to squeeze out an article announcing what new games were coming and stuff. And so you, you had to, there, there was this sort of like exclusivity and having to really hone in on it to try to find the information available to the stuff being announced. And a part of me feels like as they've shifted towards a more broad broadcast out to the public, it has shifted from being like an exclusive event that you would hear stories of people who would be at the event it being interviewed about the event and instead like being able to see video of the convention center walking around and people having hands-on impressions that they'd post on their websites and at this point a lot of it seems like it is about as exclusive as like a PAX which is like a fan convention event Mm. so that that's my kind of feeling on the matter I don't know if it's actually true to <laughs> what the real thing is, but that's part of why it's kind of lost its luster a bit to me. I, I still look forward to it because they still use it as a venue to sort of hit out their biggest announcements a lot of times, but it, it definitely is not as big of a boom as it had been in prior years. I think from from my point of view, it just it, it, it goes along with what you said, but it there was a thing back when they used to do like um they used to do booth babes and and like fireworks shows and even when they used to do they used to have journalists come to do reviews and they would take them away in a helicopter and have them do a scavenger hunt just to get like a, a to play their game you know call it like they, was it grand theft didn't grand theft auto get in trouble rockstar got in trouble one year because they gave away brass knuckles for grand theft auto 4 and they got in a <laughs> lot of trouble because that's legally yeah. a weapon so they used to just do these over-the-top things, and it's just I think the industry has gotten afraid of that. And, and I think a lot of, as any industry, it always kind of starts with, oh, we want to legitimize our own industry. We want to make everything a big bang. And then after a while, you're like, well, how could we make more money? And how? Well, I, 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 uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, I mean, the, the the industry back in the '90s was a lot of nerdy guys like us and other nerdy dies like us in a pretty immature industry yeah like as in not immature just as like a juvenile thing but immature is in fairly new entertainment industry and, and i think to your point as they've sort of reached out towards being a more legitimized form of entertainment and being taken more wanting to be taken more seriously it has gotten buttoned up and like to your point Alex yes that that means less bombastic crazy stories and stuff like that but also I I could see it also being a matter of the type of people who have been brought into the fold into the industry a more diverse array of people who either report on video games make video games uh, are in a business related to it it probably brought some implicit pressure to try to make it more accommodating to a larger group of people yeah and and that's that's kind of where i think the way e3 is going is just that they're trying to make it more accommodating trying to not be as as bombastic and just trying to hit to the point of how they can tell the consumer about their product and i think a lot of people just found that they have a better rapport with someone directly one-on-one than 
going to a press conference and you know going and just ex- just kind of exploding and having these competitions between these other companies, right? Nintendo has these directs that are focused so hard on their fans that uh, Xbox and PlayStation have both emulated them themselves. You know, tried to make these kooky little mini announcement shows mm-hmm. with hosts and and cast of characters and funny little quips and jokes and animation transitions and stuff like that that they it's it's hard to try to say like oh we should compete again let's see who can do the bigger show and it's i mean for me i i miss the bigger shows i mean of course we'll always have ubisoft's dabbing panda <laughs> for whatever just dance is coming out but i i love that dabbing panda i not gonna lie but it's it's just that yeah things have things have shifted and i the one thing that me and joel i think joel brought up was the fact that you don't know if they, hopefully they can recover and still keep going after this and hopefully maybe it'll become more of an online streaming platform but for me it's always about who's there who's making deals who this where indie games go to try to get their games bought by say like a playstation or you know stuff like that so i just wonder how the industry is going to shift that way where you know if i'm an indie developer my team is like five people i'm gonna go to e3 and hopefully i can get a meeting with one of these you know account execs and they'll want to get our game for a PlayStation exclusive and I can finish my game. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a small town mall mm-hmm. in that like you've got the anchor stores, which are supposed to be like the big institutions. And in this case, it's Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft. And then you've got all the little individual stores across the mall, which in this case would be like the indie developers or smaller publishers and developers. And the problem is that the anchor stores or companies were the thing that made it financially probably feasible for them to hold such a big event like this because it would be the kind of draw that the smaller developers would be relying on to get attention. And now that they've started pulling out before they canceled it, that is, like, it it creates a schism where it leaves a gaping hole in the amount of stuff to see there, leaves a gaping hole for companies that might be trying to do business deals with a Sony that backed out and then it gives them less reason to show up as well. So like it, it's kind of a house of cards that's been on the cusp of falling for a few years in that way. Like the the main thing I said was like the coronavirus situation which was the reason that they gave for canceling the event finally is kind of a convenient excuse for them to take a year off and consider what the future of it will be if there will be a future i think that is just so well said right what you just said right there is well said because it has been iffy for a long time i feel like this coronavirus for them in particular is a blessing in disguise because in their in for a marketing perspective everyone's being canceled right now it's not just the technology or gaming trade shows it's every trade show from every industry from sxdx and 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 from from housing to uh, marketing to uh, industrial to beauty cosmetics, they're all being canceled. So it's just E3 just following suit, and that just happens to be very convenient for them. I said this uh, before we were officially recording, but my Fast and the Furious got canceled. <laughs> it got delayed. Delayed. It got delayed. It didn't get I was canceled. so upset. It's a huge difference. I was so excited that trailer came out. Yeah. Just have to wait. I'll just have to. I got. I got to be patient for Han. You can wait for the game to come out. Maybe that'll come out before the movie. No. Ooh. Don't remind me that there's a game. 
It's too late. <laughs> Let's review it. Oh, yeah. Okay. See? See? Now we got a plan. I'm going to review Fast yeah. and Furious. Yeah. Well, when you, when you come back, you can tell us all about it. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely will. Okay. Last piece of news. Joel, do you want to give this one? Uh, yeah. So there was a teaser, and then they announced that uh, a collaboration between Mario and Lego for the for the first time potentially I just put a link into the the dot if you want to see it it's actually kind of a cute little thing it's it's not really traditional looking Lego they're they're a little bit more blocky and uh, oblong shaped closer to like a Duplo set but like the Mario one has a little like LED screen on its chest and the way you interact with Mario on different sets of this Lego like it'll do different activities as you're doing it. So like the the Lego set looks like a world one one or something and as you're walking Mario along and jump him on the Goomba, like it'll make like a pow noise from Mario as if you uh knocked him out and stuff and, and little quirky things like that. So it's I just thought it was a cute little thing. Uh please don't tell my sons about this. How much <laughs> how much is your cutoff for these toys? Wait, how many have you pre ordered? I have pre-ordered zero. <laughs> What's a I have no in- reasonable I have amount no in- that you would pay? <laughs> I have no in- I have no intentions of purchasing this thing uh, unless yes. I'm coerced into a Christmas present or something. Uh, actually, there was a conceptual Sonic Mania Lego set that got enough petition votes to be considered by Lego, so I-, I might be more on the lamb for that one than a Mario one. You didn't answer the question. How much would you pay? Yeah. How much would I pay yeah. for this? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. As a consumer. Lado Le- already has such a premium cost attached to it. Uh, I bet this goes for 50 But how much would you pay? And also, Ooh. I think it goes for 80 <laughs> Maybe. It might. Uh, you might What's the over-under? I, yeah. Uh, because uh, I always want the Chicago Skyline Lego set, and that thing's like, what, 120 That's up there. I'm not going to do that. Joel, would you pay $80? Would I pay $80? Yeah. American. (laughs) (laughs) No, euros. What what other currency do I work in? I don't Um, know. You're also in shipping. Oh, well, uh, okay. Well, hold on. The whole Mario set is a big, like, whole level. And the Chicago Skyline, which is three buildings and a bridge, is $70. My bad. Yeah, $70. I'm going to say 50 still. Wasn't the um, the, uh, the the Nintendo Labo? Wasn't that sixty bucks? 80. That was eighty. Yeah, was eighty eighty right. bucks. Joel, Joel 80 bought bucks. it. Joel bought it. <laughs> Didn't you buy eighty used? bucks for cardboard? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there, there was a game cart with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got plastic too. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, I bought that uh, that Ring Fit Adventure for eighty bucks, and I. I we haven't done a lot of it, more than like three sessions a piece, but I I like that purchase. I'll take that one. I, I did like that. I I should get back on that wagon. You should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I've, I've switched to aerobics, which like I shouldn't be just doing that. But, you wear your but I do hand it to um, Nintendo for always being innovative, though. I mean, they have just such a big history of just breaking out of the, the console and the controllers from... You know, the NES days with the floor mat. 
you know, to being innovative with we, um, you know, not everything is hit, but I just always appreciate that they're just not being safe. You know, they're trying still new things. So, I mean, yeah, I'm good for them. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're never going to match like the other ones in graphical fidelity or, uh, how expansive they can get in their games in terms of like the world size or something but uh they they definitely like nintendo started out as a toy company i think if not not mistaken and, and that dna kind of shows on how they approach their games too mm. that that is true if i remember correctly i'm pretty sure that's true um then love hotels yeah love hotels that was the thing too uh nice. the other thing i was gonna say was that i if you if Blake, if you ever want to check out, I think it was the last episode where I talked about vitamin connection. Yes, I uh, I did listen to that episode. Yes, I'm familiar. I just thought that was so interesting to use the different Joy Cons, one horizontal, one vertical, and to play that way. The it, the, the technology is there in the Switch, and that's uh, interesting that they went that far. Yeah, I like to see that in games when it's like that's how you use it, not to play the game, because I think that can be alarming if you're playing a game and then up. Now you have this new innovative way of playing this, and it kind of just broke this flow that you've been putting hours into, and you're now you're changing the way you play versus like the game is designed that way. Yeah, exactly. Getty? We missed it? Are you kidding me? What do you mean my charisma isn't high enough? I'm going to nerd rage into the break. Getty, this is why you save scum. No. You save the game before you make the choice. That's what you do. Let's take a break. I'm a purist. with the backlog vlog where joel game shaming is our pastime <laughs> calling you Go out on. again joel this is a this is a be mean to joel episode be mean to joel episode that episode title okay it's not how do you get that out of what's happened so far okay <laughs> the first game blake brought to us uh you brought us both these games thank you very much of course uh, Persona 5. How we we've talked about Persona 5 because uh, we've all played quite a bit so of it. So many times. But we we played about we talked about Persona 5 because you keep on bringing up excuses to bring in the news because it's that that's the context of why we keep on talking about Persona 5. Oh, we're going to talk about it much more once Royal comes out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but currently Blake is playing through it for his first time. What how far are you in Persona 5? I am 70 hours, uh, level 30, on the fourth dungeon right now. That seems right. Yeah. That seems right. My <laughs> God, I was, like, worried about that. Nope, <laughs> this game so, is dense. Holy uh-huh. cow. It is, <laughs> a, second it is a journey, yeah. this game. It makes you live the life of that teenager. Like, really live that life. Like, I mean, I'm going to be, like, after this game's over, I'm going to be dressing like him, talking like him. I'm going to be... Going like, to bathhouses? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? I don't even know what I'm, who I'm going to be anymore. It is, uh, it is a commitment is the best word to describe this game. Yes. It, um, that's kind of the problem. I have enjoyed the hell out of this game, though. 70 hours. Uh, it's a very weird feeling because there's a lot of slow pace... Uh, moments to this but i'm not bothered by it it's definitely one of those games where you just don't put in a quick half hour 
you know, you need to at least invest, you know, an hour and a half to two hours from one sit down with this game. And, you know, there's really not much more I, I could really say about Persona for that you haven't said or what, you know, the game's been out for, what, three, four years now. But, you know, some people gave it game of the year when it came out. I, I could totally see that. Um, it's just crisp. It's it, it the art style, the dialogue, the the, the progression, the growth, the the urge to do more and actually explore everything and get every item and really when you're taking on these dungeons, you really want to do everything possible that you succeed your first time through with that. This is my very first Persona game. Uh, I know they've been around for a while, but uh, I never got a Vita, so Persona 4 Golden escaped me even though I've heard it was arguably the best game on the system, so a lot of hype with it, and then when it came out to uh, for five, it's been kind of my swan song for my PS3, believe it or not, because I got it right. And I said, well, it's came out for PS3. I already had my PS3 set up at the time, so I'm still actually finding use for my PS3 by uh, mm-hmm. playing on it, so why not? Like, how are you enjoying the music in the game? It's per- yeah. it's, it's it's the best. It's, <laughs> yeah, the, right? it's, 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 it's so good. It's That acid jazz is just, you know, they just know, like, Cowboy Bebop's one of the best, shows of all time and it's like well let's yep. take something of that and put it in here and and it's that that i, I love talking about music and video games because i think it's so important but it's some of the most underrated things to talk about and when after you're going through the timeline and you're you're you know solving some of the mysteries you're leveling up you're 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 going to um, what's that uh, part of the game the catacombs mementos um, mementos thank you yeah uh, when you're leveling up there and then you're getting up to the calendar and then you're taking on the dungeon. Um, not for the first time, but after you do everything in the dungeon, you go back to finally face the boss. That When that music kicks in, you're like, oh, it's on. It's just you get goosebumps. It's the, so the, good. The music is perfect at yeah. setting a mood for Ugh. what you're doing. Also, like the slice of life stuff where you're just like choosing how to spend your time in between days and they've got that sort of slow-moving... Uh, jazz with the the singer sort of quietly singing backing it and especially like when it's showing to be dark out like it hits just right and like those sequences where the characters are uncovering their personas for the first time and it's that nice string melody but it's this sort of sharp uh hit every couple beats on it and it just it, it, they really it really conveys the kind of like sense of like struggle they're trying to convey during those moments when they're sort of birthing their personas. And, and like you said, the, the boss battle music is perfect in that it's this sort of uh, metalish, rockish kind of feel, and it's this high tempo thing that it really feels like, okay, yeah, we're doing this. I uh, I was really blown away, and it's just one of those things. It's like with um, Final Fantasy. I don't know if I cut someone off here, Alex. I don't know if you were talking because sorry. But no, um, <laughs> I, I for being my first Persona game, it just really makes you now really look back and say, "Hey, um, I know that Persona Five Royals coming up. I know it's pretty much the same game, but they added more to it. But also, I heard that Persona is uh, our Atlas is looking to release Persona Three and Four now uh, on more consoles, is what I've heard. They're gonna tr- they're looking into a more wider release for these older games." Yes, there's currently not a real good way to play those older games. They're mm. only on PS2 and Vita, PSP. So there's, a, there's not a current way to play them in a, good, in a good facet. So because of that, they're looking to re-release them. They are 
fantastic. They're very similar to what you're seeing now, except okay. for the bombast and out of control style was being built throughout the games. So you see that less and less the further back you go to the first okay. one looking almost very plain. But the music and the colors and the bright colors and the day-to-day life stuff was always present throughout those games. Oh, that's addicting right now. Yeah. Um, that's that's really awesome to hear that. So They actually, in Japan, have a big concert series where they play all the music from all five games because it's so popular. It's so jazzy, danceable. Mm. And so it, it's actually a really big deal with that. And as far as Royals concerned, they do that for for the at least three and four. They released the game initially then added another bonus section that happens after the game. And there's no way to transfer your data. It's just you have to start the game over now. And a different, to, you have to rebuy it and play it the other 120 hours. And then there's an extra 30 hours, 40 hours afterwards. Wow. I mean, like, I mean, I, there's part of me that says, hey, you're getting your money's worth. But at the same time, it's... It's a commitment. Been, yeah. I mean, I've been so spoiled with the, the Switch because it is just a godsend for commuting. Um and to ha- if Persona 5 came on Switch, I'd happily just stop, rebuy it, download my Switch, and just rock that. I would happily do that. Yeah, exactly. So with Persona 3, there was Persona 3, then there was FE- Persona 3 FES, then there was Persona 4, and then Persona 4 Golden, and that's why you're right. getting Royal. Yeah, I, I, was, I saw that, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to hear that it wasn't like necessarily like a, a just trying to make more money off this or anything like that. It's, it seems to be a pattern they've done for a while. And, and to, you know, just, it's kind of a smart strategy for something that's such a big in-depth game to re-release it to, for people who have been hearing about it for so long, especially with the, like Joker being released in Smash. Now that that's, that seed's been planted, you know, now that Royal comes out, it might get a little bit more hype. I, I am really hyped. I think Joel is the one that he's like, I don't know if I want to play 120 hours again. Yeah, Joel, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Uh, I I didn't hear half. I didn't hear that either. (laughs) I didn't hear any of it either. (laughs) Uh, No, I said that you you're you're dreading another 120 hours in Persona 5 Royal. Uh, That's that's why I'll be actively avoiding Royal because as much (laughs) as much as I loved Persona 5 and the flair is so important to what's great about it. uh, I I felt complete with the original game. Like I, I I felt like I got what I needed out of it and. Uh, I'm not saying this will be your experience, Blake, but once I got to the last fourth of the game, I was kind of ready for it to wrap up just because I felt like I hit a full story arc already. But yeah, uh, I, I suspect that uh, I, I still enjoyed it. It was just it, it, the shift. It was different to more of like a it was a little more challenging in some ways. But I, you know, I'm not really in on Royal. I am in on Persona 5 Scramble, though. I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> dip into that. Because that's supposed to be like a, a true sequel to Persona 5 as oh, well. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like story-wise, there's going to be something there. And that that's what I'm looking forward to on that. And that one's got more of a hack-and-slashy type combat, so it'll be a little bit more quick-paced. Yeah, it's made by the people who do the Dynasty Warriors games. So it'll definitely be a little more arcade Although I think they've sort of tease that's going to have those slice of life stuff too in it and that is for switch yep uh, i'll have to jump on that then when i'm done with the my ps3 finally put it to rest when it's done <laughs> you did good you did good yeah for PS3. 
Okay, so the other game you brought is Oxenfree. I had seen it around, but I had never gotten around to. But you had said there was something you were looking at, and I dived in. I really enjoyed my time with Oxenfree. Blake, what kind of brought you, you you thought about, like, I think I should get this one? I think uh, this was one of those games that was really bringing to the table uh, story-driven games. Uh, One of those games that got popular based off uh, unique art style and story. Very similar to, um, guys, help me out with this. I think it was Firewatch yes. when that came out. The, was that, the first um, person? With our PS4. I can't remember the name of that yeah, game. Yeah, I think when you're, like you're, fires. when you're in the, you're the forest preserve and you're the, yes. yep, that's yes. Firewatch. Yes, I, so I felt like it had a similar tone to that and it had this, a lot of people could be enjoy it, but it also would bring it to another level of appreciation of video games. So, it, I just put it down, and recently I looked into it mainly because I saw the time was actually, it was only like a four or five hour game, and that was enticing for something that, how dense this game story-wise, that you could put this into four or five hours. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I honestly, to, to be 100% honest, I have very mixed feelings about this game, um, and I think that's kind of the beauty of it. I have some things I really like about it and things I really do not like about it. Um, but do not regret this experience at all. Well, uh, Oxenfree is an adventure, a story-based adventure game where you're moving from place to place and experiencing the story of four teens on an island getting into a little bit of a supernatural phenomenon that takes them on a ride across this island while also delving with their past and their insecurities and what's going on beneath the surface of who they are. And at a certain point, it starts getting into time loops going back in time having going through a situation and then getting it rewound and doing the situation differently it kind of it hits all of these different little sci-fi points that give you information on these characters blake you said you had a little bit of beef on this what what do you let's let's start with what you really liked about the game what i really loved first yeah let's start on a positive note yeah Yeah. (laughs) um I think the art style is excellent. It it feels there's this texture about this game that I just want to just dive into a little bit uh, more and more when I kept on seeing how big this map is, but at the same time how intimate it is. It was a really cool flow of how this art, uh, this, this environment transitioned, how you move throughout the game. Another part I really liked was, this is a transition of good to bad right here, is technically... I think the voice acting was excellent. I think it was very crisp, clear. I think they had a great voice for each character. Um, But transitioning to criticism, I think the dialogue was a little rough. But again, that could be a victim of this type of game because there's uh, multiple endings. There's multiple options. There's multiple paths as a result of how you play this game and who you talk to, how you talk to them. So that could be... um, a cause of the 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 odd uh, some dialogue choices. What I mean by that specifically is, there are is, sometimes a character will say something just to be like, okay, look, I'm the badass character, and another dialogue <laughs> will say like, look, I'm the I don't care character. You know, falling to some stereotypes or okay, some very easy uh, cliches for some uh, of these characters. But it it sounded great though overall the music had a really great eeriness to it the the, the sound effects and the voice acting was was very very impressive 
the the one thing that stuck out to me as as problem that that, that was the first, the only problem I really I felt about it was the dial there's dialogue choices that will give you the ability to be kind to a person or to be mean to somebody give them a little bit more of a you you can essentially they have the dialogue choices that kind of equate to almost like Mass Effect where you can do the happy answer or the angry answer and. That's all fine and good for me, per se, but what kind of hit me was that you're, they're timed, so you only have a certain amount of time to select your your choice, and when you select it, they say it automatically, and it would cut off somebody else saying something, so it didn't quite flow, so someone would be like, hey, what are you, I'm doing fine. It's like, well, if I wish I could have waited longer to, to pick my answer, but it, one of the things you can select is just to not say something, and that leads to other parts of these conversations where someone would be like, oh, you're not answering. Why aren't you answering? So I was like, I didn't answer because I just wanted to wait a second so you could finish what you're saying, and then I could say something back. You're being too nice. In a natural conversation. <laughs> but yeah, that's... I, also, I, I, I agree, too, that it not only with the dialogue, but also like the radio frequencies, which is a very essential part of the game, to connect this plot with the, the the mystery that's going on with this island that you're on and you need these radio frequencies to either uh, do some tasks or communicate to outside presences that are outside the, the characters there and when you're tapping into the radio frequency sometimes that would be playing over the dialogue that is also giving you the option to select so there could be a moment where someone's talking to you you have to select a dialogue and also do a radio frequency at the same time so it could be a little bit anxiety driven yeah, and I think at one point I was selecting the radio and the character kept telling me to, hey, all you got to do is tune into the frequency. Come on, we're waiting on you. I'm like, just chill. Let me do the let me do the radio. I got yeah, it. I'll do the radio, man. I promise. I, I know what I'm doing. Um, I, the only other things too is I think like the, selecting the dialogue was very precise and very responsive. Um, that being said, the I felt there was a lot of weight to this like the movement was really way down like moving left and right train uh, changing your your direction climbing up objects it had a lot of weight to it and it was very frustrating that there wasn't like a run button there was parts where there is no dialogue sometimes that dialogue really helped the transition of moving to a part of the island to another but then sometimes the dialogue would just stop and now you're just climbing on whatever and going down these trails with no dialogue and it just felt forever it just felt draggy without having that filler in there what what is supposed to be character development yeah and 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 it even like started to from at least for me you're backtracking sometimes with no conversation and i was just like well i've been here i know what i'm looking for i don't need i need to i need to run right Uh, sorry joel i didn't mean to cut you off no you did i did it uh (laughs) there was there there's definitely a slower pace to it and I agree with you, Alex. That's more or less what I was going to say. Like the, there are points where either you're backtracking or if you get lost and are sort of meandering around, it's especially excruciating because of the slow pace. And and it's been a while since I played this, but am I right in recalling that like there was a weird momentum issue where like you could let go of a direction and they'd walk a few more steps or do an action for a few more animations? I I don't think I experienced that kind of like slick movement. Did you, Blake? I definitely had some moments where if you didn't do anything, whether it was dialogue, yeah, you could definitely see some of the characters kind of transition to lead you where you needed to go. But again, long wait times for that. A lot of, it just felt like the biggest issue for this, 
in relating to what we're saying is just pacing. The pacing was just off on this. And yeah. whether it was too much at once, too much dialogue, too much radio figures, or way too much drag between it. I think that was just the big, big issue for this overall. Okay. Oxenfree. Uh, I, I would still recommend Oxenfree just to experience that story of these characters diving deep into their own subconscious and their own personal issues while experiencing a time travel ghost story. I would recommend it too, Alex. I think um, for the time of the game, for what, four to five hours is not a huge commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually, to tell you the truth, one of those very, very rare instances where I actually think this could actually be adapted to a film, an hour and a half film. And you know, you're portray I, everything you had in an hour and a half film very accurately. And I do usually don't like um, this, the Hollywood, you know, Hollywoodizing all these video game movies. Uh, but I think this it actually could work. This is a very rare instance, I think, for that. No, this and like you would mention earlier, Firewatch, I think both yep. would make really great movies just as a mm. very simple one story about these teens. And it's not like a horror, it's not like a slasher, it's not like murder or anything like that. It's actually very, uh, what is it, I want to say almost like spiritual, finding these hidden secrets that the island had. Right. Because, again, there's this dark past to the island that nobody, that's been covered up and these people just want it exposed because they feel like they were wronged. So Yeah, and I think that's it's, that's like a small little um, completionist to this too, to, to find out some extra clues to um, one find a little bit more history of what happened here on this island which you don't really have to but you can go a little bit above and beyond to find out and then also for the replayability there are i think seven endings for this uh so that's another um motivation if you want to dive back into it six more times you can go through a confusingly slow paced game (laughs) i said you could i'm not saying you should but you could fair fair (laughs) Okay, that was Oxenfree. Okay, Joel, your next two shame games are The Crew 2 and Prey. I'll play zero of those. Sounds good. (laughs) Par for the course. For right now, we're going to take a break and move on to our last two segments, Guest Spot and Indie or Outie. guest spot guest spot where our guest discusses content their content and the content creation process and how many more times i could say content yeah content 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 <laughs> uh first i guested on a brew with you with blake and uh if you wouldn't mind telling our audience a little about your show yeah um so we are uh, a brew with you we've been doing this podcast for over four years we were at just past 222 episodes, and the concept was uh, I was in Oxford, England, visiting a friend, and I was at the original pub where uh, J.R.L. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis used to come and meet wow. and discuss their their you know their ideas, their books, their knowledge, their wisdom, and it, a lot of it was you know very clashing or different from each other. But they always found time to sit down, have a pint together, and I just felt that was always a 
just a beautiful thing. And I got to sit in the same booth at that as uh, when they did and, and had, you know, a couple of pints and did the same thing with my friends. And I just had that in the back of my mind for a long time. And originally I did it with, uh, I started brew with you with my, one of my uh, oldest and best friends, Danny. Uh, he'll probably listen to this episode because he's a big video game guy. He's a fanatic of the Resident Evil series. So shout out to Danny. So Danny and I, uh, we started the podcast and long story short, he moved. And then my current uh, co-host, Jeff, who we knew each other from an old job that uh, from a long time ago, and we just re- re- became friends over time. And the show actually has a very different dynamic with Jeff because we're very, very opposite for one another. He's not a gamer. You know, he's not very into pop culture. He likes his, you know, he he likes working out in sports sort of guy. So it's 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 a very different, um, two different personalities. And I think that's a good thing because uh, he's open to talking about anything, but also he brings two different opinions of the show. So, but yeah, the concept of the show is uh, Jeff and I will have a guest on. Uh, we've usually never had before. We like to have recurring guests on too uh, all the time, but, and we'd like to have a pint, uh, usually a beer that we never had before. If you don't drink alcohol, we have coffee because you brew coffee. Um, <laughs> so uh, we, we've had a lot of different guests from comedians to actors to just everyday people who have an opinion to share. So it's, it's therapeutic you know, to sit down once a week and get to know somebody, but also just to break bread and get to know somebody as well. Can I ask you, how do you usually find guests to come on? Is it something where you guys are actively seeking them out? case like uh, a hanger on like Alex asking if he can join you or is it sort <laughs> yeah. of a mix of both? It's, a, it's really mixed to tell you the truth. A little backstory, I did acting and improv in Chicago for about eight, nine years and you meet a lot of characters in that community, I'll tell you that. Sure. You could find the episode with Ginger Forrest uh, on that, it's an older episode but you'll, you'll see what I'm saying when you get to it. Um, <laughs> hint, hint, uh, it's a drag queen. Um, <laughs> so some of these people I've met uh, through improv and writing in Second City that I did uh, with them and, and others are like f- their friends or uh, some some people like Alex will reach out or seeing the show and like, hey, can I be a guest sometime? Like, absolutely, you can. And some people uh, who are very camera shy for one of like, uh, their friends or their comrades will say, hey, you know, you're an expert at this. You should really go on the show. And I just say, come on, all, all you're doing is just talking to me but there's a microphone there that's it so I, I just like to hear everyone's views and opinions and I really don't like to hold anything back uh, so it's a, a mix of everybody really now you've had you again you've been going for four years what do you think was a guest that really stood out to you you know I don't want to say the most interesting guest if only because you know I don't want you to pick your favorites or anything like that I just what, what's really stood out to you I mean obviously you brought up Ginger Forest which I just pulled up a clip and I now I'm going to be watching that because it looks fascinating <laughs> yeah Ginger is a character. Ginger is a very memorable one. Whew. Uh, I, I, some of my favorite episodes is when we went to actual local breweries. Chicago is one of the biggest uh, brewery cities in the country. At I think it was a year or two ago. It actually was the number one city for breweries. So it was fun going to some of the breweries and actually talking to the brewmasters and the owners of them. Uh, one of the my favorite episodes, uh, we went to Band of Bohemia in Chicago. It's the only one-star Michelin restaurant that is also a brewery. And... The owner Michael Carroll, uh, Michael Carroll, is very—he's a—he's a character, and he's full of energy and a lot of fun. We got to learn a lot about him and his culinary experience, but also how he got into brewery, uh, brewing and combining the two. And again, I—the last thing, even though it's—it's it's called a brew with you, 
and you, we have a, you know, we, we try a, a new beer on the show because there's so many new beers out there. The show is not about beer at all. Uh, we talk about it for literally five minutes tops on the show. Talk about, <laughs> hey, we're having this. This is what it is. What do you think of the taste? And then at the very end of the show, we rate it one through five. And then the other 45 to 50 minutes of the show is us talking to our guests, getting to know them or playing some one of our original games. Oh, and that's kind of what we like to do here is play a couple games here and there. Uh, so you have done your show your show is on youtube what made you kind of stick to youtube do you do an audio you do an audio version some uh, on what soundcloud yeah i we host it on soundcloud but we uh, it's you can get the podcast uh the audio version anywhere from spotify to itunes uh it's 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 really out there in terms of audio it's really it it's not hard to find, uh, but we decided to go on YouTube for a couple of reasons. Some people just really like it. There's not many. Uh, our, our, our viewerships are more, mainly audio, mainly because it is a podcast, but there are some loyalists who like to go to, to YouTube. Uh, I think that there are some video podcasts that are very successful, like uh, Joe Rogan, kind of funny, and well, hell, I have the equipment. I know how to do it, and it gives me... Uh, helps me train that part of my mind, uh, the, the, the editing. So, you know, editing out a, a green screen, hint, hint, it's a green screen, not an actual <laughs> pub that we shoot in. <laughs> Which um, that was a uh, mind blowing to me because I had, didn't have any experience with green screen. And I just thought you had like built an elaborate, like I, I, when, when I told Getty and Joel that I was going to be on your podcast, I had specifically said, Oh, he's got a whole set involved and then literally getty goes oh yeah you can buy like faux brick and just put it up i've seen that before i was like oh okay maybe he's got that and then it's like a green screen and i was like even more blown away because i was like i had never thought in my mind that because it looks so good oh i appreciate that yeah and i think that's part of the reason why i still do it on uh i like the video aspect to it because it's you know, it's like anything. It's like playing the piano. After you play the piano for a while, but if you stop for a year, it's going to be tough to pick that back up again. So for video editing, I don't have put out a lot of YouTube content anymore uh, in terms of like outside of the podcast. So I like to continue that that video aspect of the podcast. Uh, one, because it helps. It's, it's another one. It's simply put, it's just another channel to put your content out there, let alone not necessarily audio or video, but just another place to find it. But two, you know, it, it helps you work that that editing muscle uh, for the video aspect. Wow, is is there anything that you feel like you've like a skill you've gained from participating <laughs> in this endeavor? Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but my, me personally, I'm not a natural conversationalist. And uh, what I've found is that through a year of doing this with Alex and then Daddy, is that I've gotten better at explaining my positions a bit better or at least carrying on a little bit better than when we started this. I think there's actually quite a bit that I've learned from this and I disagree. I think you, you have a very good radio voice, Joel. I, I, it's, it's, it's very welcome when you come on. It's very crisp, very clear. And it's very, you very have a good pronunciation of very, uh, you pronunciate uh, every dialect, like not your dialect, every uh, syllable in the word. It's very, it's very soothing. So don't, I think you got something. Don't worry about that. Well, well, uh, thanks. But uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait till you hear the final recording. The fan in the background. <laughs> fan bonanza. Fan bonanza. Yep. <laughs> uh, to answer your question, I think I, I, you know, obviously I learned a lot about audio, which was one of the big reasons I did this too, because I knew a lot about 
visual and web and photography, but audio was always a weakness of mine. So it, it forced me to learn that. As a conversationalist, yes, uh, there's a lot of, you know, as an artist, as we all are, it, we are our own worst critics. And there's still so many things I'm critical about myself. And that's a good thing because you want to keep on growing and perfecting. So as much as I've grown better of my interviewing process, my pacing and my flow of the show, there's still so many things that I still beat myself up about. And, you know, putting on video too, you could see how you're reacting, how you're responding, how you're engaging. And then it gives you a little bit of a, uh, your own self-criticism so you can improve upon that. So not just look at this, oh, that was horrible. It's things like, there is no such thing as failure. You, you, you grow from that. You, 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 you embrace failure is really what I'm trying to say. So you look at this and don't beat yourself up and quit. You look and say, okay, well, this is what I did. How do I improve upon it? It's a really smart thing that you can see your own faults and then say how you can build upon it and build your skills up to be something better than it was. You keep progressing. And like you guys too. I mean, you have been 55 episodes. That's huge. And I guarantee you that from your very first episode to now, I mean, you, you're seeing this this flow, this transition. Um, look how where you've come from, and you could say, yeah, it's or this. But at the same time, I mean, if you look at the, you want to see a, a very different show. Go to early early episodes of A Brew with You, and you're going to be like, whoa, this this has come quite a way. <laughs> oh, I I refuse to listen to anything prior to episode thirty. Everything before that's dead to me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Jeez. I agree. I agree. But you know, I have gone back and. I do like where we're at now that things have gotten better. So It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Getty. You're welcome. Okay, uh, I'm currently Googling Brew With You episode two. I'll oh, help, no, you don't. I'll put that oh, in man. for later. I looked very different back then. <laughs> All right, so for right now, when we, we occasionally will have a game, and since you are our, our honored guest, I have brought to us this week an indie or outie. Indie or outie is where we ask a, we ask whether something is an indie game or something else. And this week, okay, this week I picked indie bands. Okay. So indie bands. I have a scorecard here for uh, Blake, Joel, and Getty here. So I want you guys to each give me an answer, and if you kind of know the answer, hold on to it until the end to give me your answer. I don't want giving it away too much. So. The first game, Star Fetchers. You said it's a game, so I'm going to say game. (laughs) (laughs) What do you guys think? Star Fetchers? Yes. Is it an indie game or an indie band? Yes, sir. I'm hmm, going to say game. I'm going to say game. I don't think and many bands want to fetch music. They're 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 giving you the music. They're not fetching it. And to be a contrarian, I'll be saying indie band. Uh, it is a game, but that wasn't a, that <laughs> wasn't a mix up because of it. I just picked you whatever. clearly said you can't do that around me. Uh, yeah, but that's not what I was. Uh, mm-hmm. Hate you, Getty. Okay, <laughs> he's not paying attention. Yes, he is. Glass animals. Oh, that has to be a band. I have to agree with you, Joel. That yeah. sounds like a band. It's a band. That's a that's got to be a band. Okay, I know all, it's a band. You all get it. That's a band. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pre- pretentious indie shit is my wheelhouse. I'm gonna <laughs> be pretty okay at this. Uh, Glass Animals just sounds 
you know, it sounds like we we're we're, we're fragile, but you know, there's there's something inside of us. You know, it's it's like some some me- big metaphor there that you're trying to figure out. Yeah, you know, I imagine you might have put more thought into that than the band did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just to give a little background, Starfetchers, free-to-play conspiracy theory pixel adventure game. Glass Animals, four-piece British psychedelic group. Uh, next, Smugglers. That could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with your guesses. Uh, smugglers. I mean, that screams out game to me, but I think there might be a twist here. Uh uh, sm- smugglers would be if it was a band it would be like an old dad rock band it wouldn't be an indie band i'm gonna go with game yeah i'm gonna go i have to go with game as well i mean yeah it's like you it's almost like it's an act like you're doing something i'm so, gonna yeah. go with band then and the answer is a canadian indie rock band ah, <laughs> get out of here smugglers gotta play the game guys yep. <laughs> okay next one dandara is that one or two words? One word. Dan Dara. Sounds like Dang and Rapa. Kinda, yeah. That's why I picked it, because it sounds like Dang and Rapa. <laughs> but Dan Dara. Dan Dara. Ugh. I'm gonna go with game on that. Yeah, I'm with Joel. I'm gonna go with game. Dan Dara, like I'm I'm gonna say ban because I think it's probably two names put together. Like Dan and Dara. Like it's like the two people who started it or something. Dan Dara is a indie Metroidvania game. Yeah. <laughs> it it's a uh, it's a small game that it, it actually looks very interesting. I, I think I might get Dandara. Okay, the next one, Retro Wave, band. That was a quick answer. Yeah, you were prepped and ready. <laughs> that was quick. Retro Wave. That I mean, I think that's too easy to be a game. Like Retro Wave sounds so nineties, so like retro. early nineties. So I'm gonna say band. Because yeah. it sounds a little bit too like bait for a game. Yeah, that that's like a fake video game that they made up for a movie somewhere. It, it's a <laughs> okay, Retrowave is an indie, an '80s inspired synthwave driving game. Ooh, oh come on, nice. <laughs> Retrowave in music is a genre, not a band. Okay, I listen to Retrowave. That's why that's why they call, the game is called Retrowave. It's all that genre of music while you're driving. Oh, this is like a trick question yeah. there almost. Okay, borderline trick question. Net. Don't worry, Blake. This game's always bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> he's just mad because he's only won once. <laughs> no, he won twice. He's at two he points. D- oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, f- two and a half. The first time, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Guns of Icarus. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's... that's I, mean, I, I mean, that sounds like a metal band. I mean, like, like we have Kid Icarus. There's not really many Icarus games. Yeah, Kid Icarus, and that's Bone Arrow. Um, I think it sounds like a like a fun metal band. Like you know, you say like like Iron Snake or or it's like taking two things and putting them together. Guns of Icarus. What do you think, Joel? I'm gonna shoot with game. I'm not confident about it though. I don't know. I also like game on this one. It is a multiplayer airship battler. Yeah. I was hoping okay. he was going to say it's a multiplayer, <laughs> multiplayer <laughs> indie band. <laughs> no, guns. I missed that. That was. So I missed that. That was a game. It was a game. Yeah, it was a game. Okay. It's a uh, game where you're on an airship and you. Uh, there's different positions. You could be the captain. You could be the the gunner. You could be the mechanic. And your airship is battling other airships. And you could jump and attack other airships and get on their airship. 
Mm. I bought that one. It didn't go anywhere. Well, maybe <laughs> the band could play the music to that game. See, that just makes kind of like you know that just makes sense. Yeah. We can make that yeah. band. Yeah. <laughs> I can't play anything, but we can make that band. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really. I mean, you're coming up with some really good band names from this. Yeah, actually, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you're gonna regret that. Uh huh. Her. Touche. That's there. You go pick what. Tell me, band or game? Is it the uh-huh. whole thing? You're gonna regret uh-huh. that. No. Okay. Uh huh. Her. Uh, that. It's so stupid. <laughs> okay, if this that, is a game, I, that's just that, bad marketing. Okay, that's, that's just bad marketing. That, that's as bad as Chit 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 as a band name. Like it's just like. What kind of things can you just utter out of your mouth? Yeah, and I think music has more leeway for like obscurity and the names and the song titles. So I'm gonna go band. Okay, band. Joel, I will also go band. It is a English electro pop group founded by PJ yeah. Harvey, who is a famous. <gasps> oh, PJ Harvey's awesome. Yeah, she start, She did uh huh her. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah. I just got in. I just I just recently started listening to PJ Harvey. I enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. A cane. A K A N E. A cane. A hat. A boot. A cane. A cane. I'm going with a game for that. <laughs> okay. A cane um, game. This is the WWE wrestler Kane spinoff game, right? Like it's a cane. Like it definitely or could be a it, hurricane. It's, it, it's the mayor simulator. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go game. It is a pixel top-down brawler. Fight through, yeah. fight through Neo Tokyo in the bloody brawler. Yeah, I thought I had heard of that one. It's a good one. It's all. It's always on the eShop for like two bucks or something. Hey, this game's. This, I like this game. It's a good game. Yeah. Okay, we have uh, four more. Test icicles. <laughs> <laughs> Test icicles. Oh. <laughs> this is like a. This is the third South Park game, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds right. You, this is just you, silly enough that, to be a band name, so I'm gonna go with band. <laughs> when, when you said that, I thought of there's an NES emulator called Nesticle. Yep. Yeah. Oh, there is. I remember Nesticle. I had yeah. that. I had Nesticle. Yeah. It worked oh. well. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Did, that was like. Oh my do. god! I played all the NES games. I think I still have that on an old hard drive, actually. It's somewhere buried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's buried. Um, uh, I'm gonna go band, band, yeah, band. They are one of my favorite dance punk eighty bands. Joel, Sweet. I made you listen to them in college. You should know that one. Shame on you. <laughs> it was a band. Yep, it was a band. All right, dance punk eighties inspired. Nice, Lorraine, Lorraine. I think um, I'm gonna jump right in right now. This is like becoming a trend in like these these video games. It's got to be a video game because you had like Florence and Celeste. It's like these one name female thing that's like, look, we're Indian edgy. So I'm yeah, I'm totally going game with this. I don't know, Jill. Uh, I I agree with Blake. Like if if it were a band, it would be like. Lorraine the Horrible or something like that. You know, it would be like a tour. It would be like a short sentence like that. I don't know. I'm going to go with game. I'm going to go with band. I I don't feel like that's a good game name. But then again, what is? There's also Horace. There's also Florence. There's also yeah. Lorraine three-piece Norwegian alternative band. Get out of wow. here. Man. I, mm. I I like that one because I put that in there and I was like, oh, he's saying Florence. That's what I said. <laughs> That's I, right. I fell for the bait. Just didn't. It didn't feel right. Okay. Well, you you were just you were too convincing too. I 
I, I got swayed by your argument. <laughs> Dang. Well, I'll go first this time then. <laughs> Beamng.drive. Beam NG NG is like uh, Nancy and with the garage dot drive. Wow, those call signs were terrible. Beam NG dot drive. <laughs> this is a nude rounds game that I played in high school. Oh, Joel says it's a game, so I'm going to trust him. I I also have to say a game. I mean, if you're going to say you're a band for this, like I'd be very curious what genre of music this is. I mean, maybe like some some punk band that was like 17 and we don't know what to call ourselves. So they're looking at a bunch of random objects in the, the, the garage to put this name together. So I, I, yeah, I'm going to game. It is an early access driving physics simulator. So it is a game, um, but did you play it, Joel. Yeah, no, this is no, this I, was, is, I was, I was bullshit. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, no, it is a, fooled me. it's a game with, it's basically just you trying to test physics. So what would an actual real car crash look like? You can test that. And it's a game. What does NG stand for? I, I don't know. Not good. Not good. <laughs> yeah, not good. Nude rounds. <laughs> well, maybe. Um, okay. So, Cypher. Cypher. This could be both. This could easily be both. And the thing is, is that I have a list also of bands that are both. So I made sure this one wasn't, e- it was either one or the other. Oh, man. How is Isn't it spelled? The from the, the Matrix? C- yeah, Cypher in the Matrix is what I thought yeah. of, too. C-Y-P-H-E-R. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it could be either. I'm going to go with game. I'll do band. I'm going to go game. It feels very 80s to me. Very 80s game. <laughs> and it is a first-person puzzle game about cryptology. Yep. That seems right. <sighs> okay. Yeah. So uh, I threw in four. Just four ones just I wanted to talk about real quick. Spaceman 3. That's that's a 80s indie alternative British band. But that just seems like a game. That just seems like a game. That could be. Uh, my favorite, I actually like this band, Sigur Ross. Yes. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. I thought, Love them. I thought that might be fun. It's been, I, it's been a while since I've listened to them. I'll need to listen to them today now. Fun fact about that band. Their big hit, uh, which I'm blanking out now, was the soundtrack for the promotional piece of the, the remake of Prince of Persia. Ooh, okay. okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Bright Memory. That, that's a F, that's a first-person sci-fi shooter. Sounds like more like a book. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and then Chronicon. Diablo-esque early access dungeon crawler. Chronicon. Sweet. Um, the last one, three bands that I found that are bands and games. Scene. S E E N, both a band and a game. Pilgrim. Yeah. And Fate. That's so generic. Yeah, though. they're so. Yeah, generic. Well, I was gonna say, yeah. how cliche it's is not, Fate? Doesn't even Come count. on. Yeah. Well, that was our indie or outie. Uh, winner is Getty. As oh, you always win these. Like this. <laughs> Actually, did I miss any? Uh, I feel like I got a hundred. No, you did not. You missed some. You you two are in really? the same room. I I think there's collusion going on here. Uh, well, if again you uh, Joel and Blake tied, so that's pretty good. Yeah, we did. Yeah, uh, that you, that's not a convincing argument for not collusion. <laughs> 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 okay, let's move on to our one last thing. One last thing where we give one last sentence, one last statement, one last thing taking us out into the weekend and you, the listener, into the new year. Into the new year? I don't know <laughs> why I said that one. <laughs> see, it's a lot worse when you can see him. Yeah, it is. You just hear he used to be freeze up. You know what the worst part is? He's got two monitors and his phone yeah. on hand. I'm bad all over. <laughs> that, 
that that's okay. This week has lasted one year long. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, for me, my one last thing. I'm working from home tomorrow, so maybe that will give me some time to finally beat Prey. You won't. No, I won't. That game is scary. He just found the nightmare. No, that's a bad decision. Uh, Joel, you're up. Uh, I ran across a meme that said, video game lamps use real electricity, and I can't stop thinking about it. It's true. Oh, no, yeah, that's that's true. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> now it's in my brain. <laughs> I think you keep reposting that on all our social media. <laughs> Getty, what's your one last thing? I am going to put in my new motherboard this weekend so I don't have to look at Alex next week during recording. I think it's more fun. You just see me freeze up like, like a no, deer in headlights. No, scary because I don't know what's going to happen. That's the excitement. Uh, Blake, what's your one last thing? I am still not wearing pants and not playing oxen free for six more times. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, real quick, I just want to also say thank you, Blake, for coming on our show. Uh, do you do you want to give us where anyone can find you so that we can really get you out there? Oh, yeah. Uh, check out uh, Brew With You. Uh, we're on all the social media platforms, so just put Brew With You. And if you feel like seeing a little extra content or help supporting uh, you know, just an indie podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash you to support the show, get some bonus uh, content, uh, some surveys, some behind-the-scenes footage, all that fun stuff. Awesome. Thank you very much. Feel, please, please give his show a watch. It's a lot of fun. And for me, it just feels like you're hanging out with your friends. Which is, that's how I know a good podcast is when I just feel like I'm hanging out and I want to get in there and like say something because I'm like, oh yeah, totally. I, I totally think that too. I'm in my car by myself. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. And, uh, and I want to leave a, a, an open invite to, you know, Alex to come back on again uh, for your, uh, Joel and for um, uh, Getty that if you guys want to come on to individual or the three of you want to come on together, we can do a, a you know, whatever we want to do, uh, I'd be more than happy to have you guys on and uh, just love to continue this. No, no matter the venue, it's been a lot of fun. We should chat again sometime. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you again for the invite. It's been a lot of fun today. And that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at Super GG Radio and twitch.tv slash Super GG Radio, where Joel and Kelly finished free. Did you guys finish free? <laughs> yes, sir. Sick. Uh, and I got whooped in Dragon Ball Fighters. I don't even know if I'm going to put that on YouTube. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, Metal Gear Kevin is back at Metal Gear Solid 4. And he wanted to announce a new show alert. Uh, may I present to you uh, Divinity... T- was it? Uh, don't look at me. Divinity no Original Sam 2. It got cha- He changed the name like twice. Divinity Original Sam 2 where Kevin and his wife Samantha are going from start to finish in Divinity Original Sin 2 on Thursdays. Thursday, Thursday, Thursdays. Last thing, a brew with you. Well, what what days do those normally go live? I wanted to make sure. Uh, yeah, we drop uh, every Monday. So that uh, uh, we have, uh, if you're on Patreon, we drop off stuff a little bit early and a little bit for a post show later in the week. But we always drop our episodes on Monday. So check out uh, Monday posts uh, all across the board. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely keep track on them. Take a look. Uh, give them a rating and review, just like you could do with us. Um, any questions or input, your email address is superggradio at gmail.com. And provide a review on iTunes or the craft beer of your choice. Thanks for listening. GG Getty. GG. 
GG Joel. Good game. GG Blake. Good game, sir. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>